Uh, we're also very glad to have uh, Daniel from Troop 34 with us today, who will be sharing in a moment about uh, uh, the impact of Trinity uh, in our partnership with the Boy Scouts. After worship today, we have uh, our second annual uh, Lefsa-making event. Uh, if you want to try your hand or have never made Lefsa before and would like to learn, today will be an opportunity to do that. If you've made Lefsa before and would just like the chance to uh, make some Lefsa, you can go down and, and roll or flip. Uh, we're very thankful to Ann and, and Jill for, for organizing that and helping set things up. I've also been told that Jill made some lefsa in advance, so if you aren't able to stay around for the making but would like to eat some lefsa, you can come downstairs and have some. Uh, I, I, there'll also be some apple cider and krumkaka, I believe, as well. So uh, if you want to stick around for some Norwegian goodies, uh, stick around after church today. Uh, Several other announcements in your bulletin that I invite you to take a look at. Um, one I want to highlight for next Sunday um, is that we have a couple of things to clean up around the building, uh, on the outside of the building. Um, and so a few people are, are planning to stick around after church. Uh, if you want to bring some work clothes with you um, or come in your work clothes, that's fine too. Uh, uh, we're going to do a little bit of cleanup around the building. So if you're able to next Sunday to do, to do that, uh, Please join us. Are there any other announcements we should make verbally today? I did before we begin. Um, we uh, this past week was was Veterans Day, and I just wanted to offer a brief prayer for um, veterans. I know we have veterans in our uh, in our congregation, um, and we uh, there. Uh, 20 million veterans in our in our country, and we we want to take a moment to pray for them and for their with gratitude for their service. Let us pray. Almighty and ever living God, we give you thanks for those who have served and defended our country. Help us to be mindful of the sacrifices they have made, and the hardship endured by their families and friends that we never take for granted those privileges they have secured for us. Hear us, we pray, through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. We'll begin our service with our prelude music.
Please stand as you are able and face the baptismal font. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, who redeems us in Christ Jesus, whose steadfast love endures forever. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you and our neighbors. We have ignored voices that call for your justice. We have neglected actions that witness to your righteousness. We have spoken and acted in ways that disrupt your beloved community. We truly repent of things we have done and left undone. For the sake of Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Restore our troubled spirits so that we may live in newness, follow the way of the Spirit, and build up the body of Christ. Amen. Rejoice and be glad. God hears the prayers of all who cry out and restores us to life through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Therefore, I declare to you the forgiveness of all your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us pray. O God, the protector of all who trust in you, without you nothing is strong, nothing is holy. Embrace us with your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may live through what is temporary without losing what is eternal. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Please be seated, and I invite Daniel from Truth 34 to come forward. And while Daniel's coming up, I'll just say briefly, um, part of what we're highlighting today as part of our stewardship season is uh, the impact of our community ripples outward in so many ways. One of the ways that takes place uh, is through the groups uh, that meet in our building. And one of them is Troop 34. We have a long time partnership with them. Um, and so as we think about how we uh, sustain this, this ministry, as we give generously, uh, think about how the light we share here uh, is reflected out through so many other groups. And with that, I'll let you take it, Daniel. Thanks so much, Pastor Andy. Good morning. I'm Daniel Stottleman Scanlon. Uh, member of uh, Troop 34. I'm one of our two scoutmasters right now. And as uh, the pastor was sharing, um, asked me to speak about how Trinity impacts the community through partnerships, and specifically today, the partnership with Troop 34. I've been involved uh, coming here uh, with the Troop for seven years, and I also have two children who have been involved in Troop 34. Um, Leo got his Eagle rank last year and uh, graduated from East High, not far away, and uh, is now up at St. John's University in Minnesota. And my other son, George, is a Life Scout, and um, he's also a junior at East High. Um, and my children and myself have grown and learned a lot through our time uh, working with the troop here at, and, 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 and using the space here that, uh, at Trinity. And I've seen the impact of scouting on my children and on other scouts in our community. Um, every Tuesday at seven o'clock down in the basement here, we gather um, downstairs for our meetings. And each meeting begins with the scouts reciting the oath and law. I'm not sure if there's any scouts here, but I'll share with you what, what the oath and law are that the scouts recite. The oath is, on my honor, I will do my best to do my duty to God and my country and to obey the scout law, to help other people at all times, to keep myself physically strong, morally awake, mentally awake, and morally straight. And then they recite the law. I encourage them to recite this uh, and take, take their time with it, not rush through it. A scout is trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. There's quite a bit there. Um, but these, the oath and the law, I feel like they, they ground us. They ground us, they, they ground the scouts their aim is to ground them, and the leaders with the scouts. And we use these and we recite them before our meetings. Um, and, and the guidance from these, we talk about during our outings, our camping trips, when we're doing service projects, and how we interact with each other. 
and we talk about the oath and the law, uh, we, we don't always ad adhere to them, <laughs> but we call in each other and we try to learn and grow together. How can we be more helpful? How can we be more kind? Um, these are not just words that we recite, but they help the scouts be the best persons that they can be and provide them structure and guidance for who they will be in our community, in your community. These are formative years for the scouts and can help guide them as they move forward to becoming adults. Um, so we're very grateful to have this space here at Trinity to use to support the scouts. We use the space primarily in the basement uh, to store our supplies. There's multiple purposes. We, we have rank advancement. The scouts earn merit badges. We do trainings. We also hold ceremonies and special awards and recognitions when they have different achievements. Uh, the scouts in this space build friendship and community and they develop leadership skills. Um, one of those skills and, and attributes that they work towards is doing service and there's a number of service projects that they engage in throughout the year. Uh, I know some of you have contributed to Scouting for Food where we collect non-perishable food items for and donate them to a pantry for those in need. Um, we help clean up outside Trinity Church. We help out at the Pet Festival. Um, in past years, we've had some Eagle Scouts that have worked at some nearby parks, planting trees and removing invasive plants. And as Pastor just shared that there's a fall cleanup next Sunday and several of our Scouts plan to be there to help clean up, um, do some fall work here. The service projects are an important part of scouting. Um, scouts learn the importance of helping others. And if you do have ideas or needs, please let us know. Some other things that scouts do is they earn merit badges, uh, things such as first aid, astrology, and this fall they, some of them completed the canoeing merit badge. They also work on rank advancement. And in scouting, it's called scout-led. It's not led by adults, um, which is a little bit different. And, but the scouts have different leadership positions, so they run the meetings and facilitate the meetings and plan their events. Um, a common occurrence that we have every throughout the year are camping trips. Um, most months, we do some sort of a camping trip at one of the local Wisconsin parks. This fall, we were out at Governor Dodge Park and out at Wyalusing near Prairie du Chien. And just yesterday, we were at the Blue River Sand Barrens just past Spring Green. We also go to summer camp, and we have a high adventure trip. Um, usually it's a canoeing trip, a backpacking trip, or a bicycling trip. And this year we were out at, um, in Colorado backpacking in the beautiful wilderness out there. These trips help the scouts develop life skills. They get them off their phones and off computer screens and outdoors and they um, can get to enjoy God's beautiful creation. So Trinity has been a charter organization for several decades, I understand, and having this space for these scouts to meet allows this all to happen, this amazing work with the scouts. Um, during COVID, um, things we had to move to virtual or more outdoor meetings, but it's been wonderful to be back in person in the basement, um, and we are very grateful to Trinity for allowing us to use this space. Finally, we're, not a, we're a smaller troop, so if you have any youth between the ages of 11 and 17 that might be interested, we would be happy to welcome them. Thank you.
First reading from today is Malachi chapter 4. See, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evildoers will be stubble. The day that comes shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who revere my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Word of God, word of life. The second reading 
comes from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now we command you, beloved, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from believers who are living in idleness and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not idle when we were with you, and we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have that right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command, anyone unwilling to work shall not eat. For not doing any work, for we hear that some of you are living in idleness, mere busybodies not doing any work. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. Word of God, word of life. Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, Jesus said, As for these things that you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, Teacher, when will this be, and what will be the sign that is about to take place? And he said, Beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first, but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated by all because of my name, but not a hair 
on your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. And may grace and peace be with you, friends, in the name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> Today's scripture from Luke's gospel is foreboding and troubling in many ways. How can you not be troubled when Jesus says, nation will rise against nation, there will be great earthquakes, famines, and plagues, there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. For all of the apocalyptic vision, Jesus doesn't seem very concerned about when this will happen. At least he's not very direct about it. Uh, people asked him directly, what time will this happen? And he says, he ignores the question and says, beware that you are not led astray. Sometimes you wish Jesus would give a direct answer, right? And then he goes on to warn his followers, too, that there are difficult days ahead. They will arrest you and persecute you. They'll throw you in prison and drag you before kings and governors. Now, the person who wrote Luke's gospel also wrote the book of Acts. And in the book of Acts, we see what Jesus says here coming to fruition. And then, in a great crescendo of doom, Jesus simply says, You will be hated by all because of my name. It's enough for me to pray this morning. Jesus, don't you know that today is stewardship season, uh, commitment Sunday? Couldn't you have given us a softball of some kind about how nice it is to follow you? How fulfilling. <laughs> because Jesus isn't exactly selling this whole, disciples, this whole discipleship thing very well here. It sounds pretty gloomy. You will be hated by all because of my name. Come follow me. But this is the word we're given for today. And we might be surprised by the grace it offers us. Because in the midst of this apocalyptic text, I see a promise glimmering like a spot of gold in the muck, like a lighthouse on the horizon. Yes, Jesus says, you will be hated by all because of my name. And the history of the book of Acts, the early church, and on through history, proves that correct. But then right after that he says, but not a hair on your head will perish. Not a hair on your head will perish. In some ways this is an odd thing for Jesus to say, right? Because in that book of Acts, which follows Luke, uh, continues the story of Luke, several of Jesus' followers will be persecuted and perish. Their ha the hairs on their head will go away. Take, for example, Stephen, who was stoned to death in Acts 7 for his belief in Christ. Luke, the author of this gospel, knew about that. Certainly, Jesus would know that people who followed him would die. And then I think of all those generations of Christians who have come since. Certainly, it would see, seem that the hairs on their head have perished over the years. So there must be something going on here because there is all this evidence to the contrary of Jesus' promise. But not a hair on your head will perish. What I take Jesus to mean here 
is that God knows and loves each one of us in our particularity so that no matter what happens to us from an earthly perspective, we remain whole and loved beyond all that happens to us in a way that we can hardly understand. That God sees us with uh, dignity and love in a way that so many others do not see us. So from that perspective, Stephen's body and acts may have been broken by violence and hatred, but from God's perspective, not a hair on his head perished. He was loved beyond the grave. He remained whole and loved in the midst of it and beyond it. This text uh, reminds me of one of my favorite verses, which is also from the Gospel of Luke. One of my favorite texts in all of Scripture is from Luke chapter 12, verse 7. It's when Jesus is teaching about the worth of each life from God's perspective. Jesus says to his followers, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. But even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Do not be afraid. God knows the number of hairs on your head, my dear siblings. You are so precious in God's sight that God knows the number. God does not love you in general, but in your particularity and in your wholeness. Now, I do see some humor uh, in this being one of my favorite verses. I mean, as someone who is actively losing his hair, I figure it must be easier and easier for God to keep track of me, because there's less to count. Maybe I needed a little more supervision. (laughs) And if Jesus is going to save us before a hair on my head perishes, he might have to hurry. (laughs) but I often think of this verse while rocking my child to sleep at night I would place my hand on her head and think I love this human more than I can possibly describe and yet God knows the number God will always love her more than me I also think of Alan Curdy when I think of this verse You may remember that Alan Curdy was the two-year-old boy who drowned while his family was trying to escape the civil war in Syria. They were so desperate to escape the violence that they fled on a rubber raft that was not fit for the journey. Only one member of the family survived. And there was this incredibly painful picture of Alan's body on a beach that went all over the world. Around the same time, countries around the world, including our own, were refusing to help refugees like Alan and his family. So that picture of Alan's body on the beach will forever be etched in my mind, and I think for much of the world. And when I think of Alan, I think God knew the number of hairs on his head. God knows the number. Our world will always treat a certain number of people as expendable, and we are all guilty of this. For example, we seem to be okay with a certain number of children dying in their classrooms as long as it doesn't infringe or uh, stop us from owning as many guns as we want. We seem to be okay with a certain number of vulnerable people dying from a disease as long as it doesn't mean that we need to slow down our economy. Nations trade lives of young people back and forth as if they were worth nothing in our wars. 
You may or may not remember this, but early on in the pandemic, I shared a quote from the author Kate Bowler, and I've returned to it again and again. She wrote, historically as suffering mounts, the self-serving say, look, do the math. Some people are more valuable than others. But God's math is clear. God is on the side of the losing team. There always seems to be a calculus to it, doesn't it? A kind of hidden accounting system in our world. We trade some people as long as it helps me and other people like me prosper. But the challenge of this text and the vision of the Bible is that God's math is always different from our math. God does something for us that we are incapable of doing for ourselves. There are no throwaway people in God's vision because God's math is this. God knows the number of hairs on their head, on your head, on the heads of your neighbors, too. This difference in accounting is part of what I see going on behind our text for today. You see, right before this apocalyptic vision, something else happens, also in the temple. Right before this story, Jesus sees a widow come into the temple, and he sees all these rich folk putting in their gifts with more than enough, and alongside them he sees this poor widow who puts in her final two coins. Many people praise her for her generosity. Jesus praises her for her generosity. But it's also a sign of desperation that this is all she had to live on. Truly I tell you, Jesus says, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in all that she had to live on. And it's right after Jesus says that that our text begins. And our text begins not with people noticing this widow like Jesus does, but looking and ooing and eyeing over the size of the building that they're in, over the beautiful, uh, beautiful adornment of the building. And Jesus interrupts this ooing and eyeing by saying, the days are coming when this building is going to be nothing. It's all going to come down. Why are you ooing and eyeing over this when it's going to be destroyed? Because Jesus sees differently. Jesus is not impressed with beautifully adorned stones. Instead, Jesus is focused on this poor woman who has nothing more to live on, surrounded by the abundance of others. She means more to him than the building they, they are in. He knows the number of hairs on her head. Jesus' apocalyptic vision can seem frightening and foreign to us in many ways. It doesn't seem like a comforting word, at least at first. But in other ways, it perhaps honestly names realities that we are all too familiar with. Wars and insurrections, hatred and violence, earthquakes, natural disasters, famines, and pandemics. This vision, while troubling, is also honest about our world in need. And the vision is meant to give us hope in the midst of it. That we put our hope and our uh, adoration towards things that will someday be destroyed. That we think we can build things with our hands that will last, but Jesus looks at them and says, not a stone, is going to be left on stone. But the thing that will last is that God who knows the number of hairs on your head, the God who loves us in our particularity beyond the grave, beyond all violence and hatred. 
We may see these things coming down around us, but they will not win. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And not a hair on your head will perish. God gives us a new way of seeing because Jesus turns our attention away from buildings that seem to be built forever but that will crumble and directs our attention to God's love for this widow in need. He gives a new way of living with courage and hope because when we see these awful things happening, we know that God's love and memory of us, God holding us in his mind, will not, be for, will not end but is eternal. And my point here is not that we should try to live, love as God loves each one of us. I mean, we should try and live with God's love. But God does something for us that we cannot do for ourselves. God loves each one of us so powerfully and uh, particularly uh, in a way that we cannot offer to one another. I don't recommend you go around and count one another's hairs. <laughs> Only God can love you in that way. This is not the burden of saying love more, although we should. This is the gift and the grace of God saying live in the power of that love. God looks upon you with favor and with love and knows the number of hairs on your head. Let's live like it. Because God is particular down to the follicle with you, my friends. God knows the number and not a sparrow is forgotten. That as the world changes, as buildings come tumbling down, the thing that will last is that love that God has for you and for each one of us. Amen. For the troubles and the sufferings of the world, God, we call upon your mercy. Oh, creation's laboring and pain, lend an ear to the rising cry for help from oppressed and hopeless people. Salvation healing love. 
United with your saints across time and place, we pray for our shared world. Reviving God, keep your church active in its mission and ministry. Encourage bishops, deacons, pastors, and lay leaders to risk boldly in their proclamation and fill them with wisdom and endurance for challenging times. Lord, in your mercy. Renewing God, as the Northern Hemisphere prepares for winter, make us mindful of the ordered beauty of your creation. Teach us to treasure cycles of rest and new life. Help us care for what you have made, Lord, in your mercy. Loving God, accompany all who make sacrifices for the sake of others. Safeguard first responders and active duty military personnel. Grant peace to veterans and heal any wounds in body, mind, or spirit. Lord, in your mercy. Healing God, your people cry out to you. Sustain doctors, nurses, hospital personnel, and their tireless work. Uphold mental health professionals and those in their care. May the sun of righteousness rise on all who are sick, especially Jane, Doris, Joanne, Sharon, Gloria, and those we name now, aloud, or in our hearts. Lord, in your mercy. Receive our prayer. Uniting God, unite the assembly in its shared mission and ministry for the sake of the gospel. We pray especially for the members of our, of our planning council, highlight ways we can better work together and give us patience to work through disagreement. Lord, in your mercy. Counseling God, abide with all who grieve for loved ones who have died. Comfort us with the promise of resurrection and new life with you. Lord, in your mercy. Accept these prayers, gracious God, and those known only to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Peace to uh, the Lord be with you always. Please take a moment to share a sign of peace with those around you.
Let us pray. Blessed are you, maker of all things, as you have entrusted us with all that you have created. Now gather our gifts, nourish us with this sacrament, and send us to those who hunger and thirst for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Savior. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior, Jesus Christ, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. God, our bread of life, our table, and our food. You created a world in which all might be satisfied by your abundance. You dined with Abraham and Sarah, promising them life, and fed your people Israel with manna from heaven. You sent your son to eat with sinners and to become food for the world. On the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave for all to drink, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remembering, therefore, his life given for us, his rising from the grave, we await his coming again and share with us, to share with us this everlasting feast. By your spirit, nurture and sustain us with this meal. Strengthen us to serve all in hunger and want. And by this bread and cup, make of us the body of your Son. Through him all glory and honor is yours, almighty God with the Holy Spirit, in your holy church, both now and forever. Amen. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus taught his friends to pray. Eternal Spirit, earth maker, pain bearer, life giver, source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all, 
loving God in whom is heaven. The hallowing of your name echo through the universe. The way of your justice be followed by all the peoples of the world. Your heavenly will be done by all created beings. Your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread that we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From times too great to endure, spare us. From the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Please be seated while we share some instructions for communion. Communion today, you'll go to the side aisles. The ushers will dismiss you to the side aisles, and then you'll come forward. Uh, where at the front of these two side aisles, there are uh, empty cups. You will pick up an empty cup and bring it with you to the railing, where it will be filled with wine and where you will receive bread. If you need or desire grape juice or gluten-free, those are also at these two uh, side tables. Just grab those on your way forward uh, and bring them to the railing. After you've communed at the railing, you'll return down the center aisle, and you'll place your empty cup in the bowl by the center aisle. We want all friends, guests, and visitors to know that you are, are very welcome to commune with us here at Trinity because this is the Lord's table, not Trinity Lutheran's table, and the invitation comes to you from Christ. We also uh, greet and welcome those joining us online or on the phone uh, and extend our communion table to you. We are glad that you are with us this morning. Receive this invitation to communion. Christ spreads a table before you. Gather here with all the saints. The body of Christ given for you, Mark.
Please stand as you are able. May the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen, keep, and unite us now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. We give you thanks, most gracious God, that you have fed us with the bread of heaven and given us a foretaste of paradise. Enliven us to be your body in the world and to serve those who are in need through Jesus Christ our Lord.
One more invitation to stick around and eat lefsa or make it. Both are welcome. Uh, join us downstairs for that. The God of peace who creates all things and calls them good, who makes us alive in Jesus and who breathes on us the spirit of hope, bless you now and forever. Amen. The mission of Trinity Lutheran Church is to proclaim and celebrate the love of Jesus Christ, to live as God's servants in the world, and to be a caring and healing community. Go in peace, be a blessing in the world. <laughs>